Um, I just happened to see a little text message while I was hitting go live there, and apparently my dad preached 15 minutes and then had to stop because he was dizzy. So I don't know what's... And he's just kind of stubborn, so we'll see what they do. <laughs> That's where I get it from. So I don't know. We'll see. All right, now let's try to focus on the message after that. Um, God's in control. It'll be fine. Uh, we, we had a great trip. Uh, last Sunday, we preached there at the church in Cortland, Virginia for Sunday evening. And then I preached at uh, the church there where my dad's pastor on Wednesday evening. It was a whirlwind trip, thankful for safe traveling mercies. We hit some pretty heavy rain around the Tampa area and saw a lot of wrecks that had just happened. Uh, it, I mean, it was a gully washer. Uh, I'm a hillbilly, so I can say things like that. It was a gully washer, and yeah, those were fresh wrecks. So we're thankful for the safe traveling mercies, thankful for the funeral how wonderful it was. Uh, it was a gospel funeral. That's what she wanted. And it was probably the nicest, best funeral I've ever been to. It was just wonderful. We're going to miss her, of course. It was bittersweet, but uh, she's in a far better place uh, than what's going on right now. And it's so interesting that all of a the sudden the, the COVID-19 thing is what happened to that doesn't seem to be as important as it was even a week ago or two weeks ago. We were supposed to stay away from each other. You can't go to church. We'll send the police to arrest you. If you're Chicago or even in Kentucky, they were writing down license plate numbers. <laughs> but yeah, it's okay to go smash open uh, businesses and steal things and walk in the middle of the street. For, that's something they don't really even fully understand what's going on. So... Uh, yeah, don't go to church, but you can go cause a riot. That's where we are as a country, it seems, right now, which is just baffling. But a couple weeks ago, let's focus on our sermon now. We're thankful to be here now. The last, uh, I almost said last week, but a couple weeks ago, we started and didn't finish in Jesus' name. And as we think about his name, often we, we think about when we take the Lord's name in vain, it's usually with our speech and, and phrases that people say, particular phrases that people say. But it's much more than that. As we think about all that we do in his name, the first thing we uh, looked at was that we gather in his name, and that was you know Matthew 18 and verse 20. But secondly, we looked at we pray in his name, we baptize in his name, we looked at we preach in his name, we looked at salvation in his name. So these are the five things that we looked at. We'll pick up with number six here in just a moment, but as we look at all that we do in his name, if we don't do these particular things the way the Bible lays them out, if we don't do them properly, then that's taking the Lord's name in vain. If we come and, and we are assembling together and we may be here physically, but our, mentally we're somewhere else. Spiritually we're somewhere else. We're thinking about something else, uh, whatever. You know, did I leave the stove on? Did I do this? I'm, I'm going to have to do this tomorrow. We're, often we're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, and that's me. Uh, I tend to overthink things uh, somewhat. You can ask my wife, oh, i got to do this tomorrow. And, like Before we went on our trip, I have to take something to knock myself out because... <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, we're going to be doing a lot of driving tomorrow, and I'm just thinking about it, thinking about it. 
It'll be okay. Relax. Uh, I get too amped up, I guess. When there's something to do, I just want to do it. Well, it'd be better if I rested first. But we need to be here, not just physically. But we need to mentally and spiritually pay attention to what God is saying. Otherwise, I think we're assembling and taking his name in vain. When we pray, we're just using vain repetitions. Uh, we're just mumbling words and not really contemplating what we're saying and not even thinking, oh, well, I'm, I'm talking to God because that's what prayer is. If we're just saying words and they hit the ceiling and fall back down, that's taking God's name in vain. We're not praying properly. If we don't baptize the way Scripture has laid out that we are to baptize, if we're just baptizing babies, that's taking God's name in vain because that's not biblical. And as we're preaching, and he hasn't called us to preach, we're not using the Bible. A lot of folks, you'd be surprised, don't, uh, they can preach a lot of sermons and maybe use one scripture or no scripture. Uh, that, that's taking God's name in vain. Uh, Brother Pyle always tells the story that uh, years and years ago he went to a church and he was just going to sit there, he wasn't going to preach, and he was going to be in the audience. And the pastor got up and got behind the pulpit and said, you know, I'm not feeling too well today, so my wife's going to preach my sermon for me. And he's like, whoa! <laughs> he, he got up and walked out right then. <laughs> so that is taking God's name in vain. I talk about jaw hitting the floor. Uh, he wasn't prepared for that. All the men that were sitting in the congregation there, and he says, oh, my wife's going to preach my sermon for me today. And, and then, of course... The natural progression to that, and it's not really even, it's not funny, but uh, some people say, well, my wife wrote, his, his wife wrote his notes anyway. Uh, pastor would kind of expound upon it a little bit. Uh, he jokes that Granny writes his notes from time to time, especially on Mother's Day. Anyway, got to be careful, taking God's name in vain. Uh, when we don't preach salvation through God's grace. If we preach salvation through works or whatever the case may be, that is taking God's name in vain. So it's, there's a lot to consider when we talk about the Lord's name. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 11, we see, and such were some of you. Let's go backwards just a little bit, as the pastor would want to do. Uh, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So here we see, and this kind of falls back to our Sunday school a little bit this morning, we see there are two classes, two types of people. There are... Believers and unbelievers, there are unrighteous and then those who have been made righteous before God through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's two. You know, we, that was the title of our Sunday school. We are a people. We are a particular people. We are a chosen people, uh, an elected people. So we see this is very plain here in verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? So there are unrighteous people out there. If someone says, uh, we, I mentioned this in Sunday school, but we had, when we lived in Charlottesville, we went, we looked up the phone book when that was still a thing. And 
the closest church was the church there in Cortland, Virginia. It was a couple hours away. But we got the phone book out and I opened the phone book and I saw under Baptist churches there was King James only. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we'll go at least check this one out. And we went and we sat there and they were very nice. They were very welcoming. And then he preached and he said he didn't believe in election. He said if he believed in election, he wouldn't be a preacher. Uh, because, uh, well, God's just going to save him anyway, so why do I need to be uh, a preacher? And I'm like, oh, it was very disappointing. And we went home, and they had us sign a card and all that, and we didn't go back the next Sunday, so that Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, the pastor called my phone because I'd written my phone number on the card, a visitor card. And he's like, well, can I come and, and, and talk to you all? <laughs> why not so I called Rachel and she came over to my apartment and the pastor came over and it was just a few months before we were married so they we met at my my place and the pastor laid it all out and uh, said he didn't believe that God sent anybody to hell and all this and, and uh, he said I don't think God hates anybody and we're, we were like well what about Jacob have I loved Esau have I hated well I have to research that you do that. <laughs> you can call me back. You got my number. Uh, I, I said, you wouldn't be a preacher. It's not like people are going around with ease on their forehead and saying, Ooh, preach to me. I'm one of the elect. We don't know who they are. So that's why we're told to go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's through the foolishness of preaching. Uh, but anyway, he said, well, I'll research that hate thing. All right, get back to me. So a few days later, I was at on my lunch break at work, and he called, and he said, Oh, I looked up that hate. I'm like, Oh, what'd you come up with? He goes, Oh, well, it's an extreme dislike. Yeah, that's hate. Thank you. <laughs> you just defined the word hate. Thank you very much. Uh, he did not prove his point very well. So we have two distinct kinds of folks. There are those that are righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, those that are unrighteous. So we see here in this verse, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So not everybody's going to go to heaven. That's very plain. So be not deceived. That's you know, underline that. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's quite the list. And we could take a lot of time going down the list with fornicators and, and idolaters and adulterers and effeminate and abusers and go on and on. Thieves and covetous. And we're all guilty of all, a lot of these, if not all of them, from time to time. Um, even if you've stolen a pencil from somebody, that, that's stealing. That's You're guilty of breaking God's law here. Uh, none outside of the Lord are going to inherit the kingdom of God. But we see in verse 11, and such were some of you. And that means some. That means some were called out of that. Some called out of darkness into marvelous light. So we see where we were, and now we see where we are. Such were some of you, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So we see that we have total redemption in His name. 
So any other gospel that is taught, any other way to be saved that is presented, that is outside of being saved through the Lord Jesus Christ is false. It is taking his name in vain. There is no, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. If you think it's just as simple as turning over a new leaf, I'm going to quit my meanness, as Brother Hobbs or, and Brother Pyle actually both said it, I'm going to quit my meanness. Well, that's just not it. That's not how it works. That's not how it's done. Salvation, when we have our sins washed, we see that we are washed here in, in 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 11. Washed through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our sins that were red as crimson through the blood of the Lord is washed white as snow, as if uh, we had never had it. There's none of the pa our past sins, none of our current sins, none of our future sins can be laid against us because they've been washed away, wiped clean. It's as if, you know, I like to watch true crime things and listen to true crime things and say you were arrested for something and you're standing for trial and someone stands up and says, no, I'm going to take that punishment for him. He, he's not going to get the death penalty. He's not going to have to go to jail. He's not going to have to pay a fine. He's not going to have to do anything. I'll take care of whatever it is. So that person takes our punishment for, for the crime that we committed. That's exactly what the Lord has done. We were guilty before Almighty God deserving of going to hell and he washed us purchased us chose us through his blood and before the foundation of the world that we stand before god blameless we have total redemption in his name whatever had polluted us before uh whatever had caused us to be separated from god before the gap was closed we've been wiped clean uh, I know internally in our heart, in our mind, in our conscience was completely corrupt. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And it took the blood of the Lord Jesus to wipe all of that away. We have been pardoned. It's as if we were on death row. Here we go again with true crime. As if we were on death row and we get the call from the governor with a stay of execution. Nope. He's getting released. It's done. We're not laying that to his charge any longer. The Lord took all that away, took our sin away, uh, took our punishment for us, and we are able to stand justified before the Lord and before Almighty God. That's the only way. We were relying on our own righteousnesses to stand before God. Well, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and the only way to get those rags clean is through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 2, here's a sticking point, elect, <laughs> underline this phrase here, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. We've talked a little bit about that this morning and mentioned it so far at the 11 o'clock service, I believe in election before the foundation of the world. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So with how would we get grace and peace? Well, it's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have been set apart. We have been consecrated by the Spirit. 
Uh, we have been elected to be one of God's children as through the application of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. To sanctify means to get the great majority of instances to appoint, to dedicate, or to set apart unto God for a holy and special use. So if we're not serving the Lord and presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice since we have been purchased through the blood of the Lord Jesus, then we're taking his name in vain because we have obtained total redemption uh, through his blood. So let's live a life that will bring honor and glory to him because of what he has done for us. Otherwise, we're taking the Lord's name in vain. We don't appreciate what he has done for us. Let's go to Hebrews 13, since we're kind of right here anyways. Verse 12. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, suffered without the gate. So we see this term is applied to Christians, uh, that we are sanctified and we are set apart to God in Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, and verse 13. We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So we're, we are bound. We have a responsibility to give thanks always uh, to God. Uh, but brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning. So this, of course, election uh, brought up again uh, before the foundation of the world, chosen you. A specific person not everybody it doesn't say the whole world or anything like that and I know people like to take John three sixteen kind of out of context and twist it a little bit for God so loved the world well he didn't have to send his son to die for any of us because we were all unworthy and he didn't have to show his grace and mercy to any of us he would have been just in casting all of us into hell but he had mercy and sent his son well we see chosen you to salvation. How do we achieve salvation? It's laid out for us here in this verse through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So we are sanctified first and then we have the belief of truth. In Ephesians chapter 4. verse 24 that you put on the new man so what's that mean it means we had an old man at one point but when we are born again uh, we put on a new man so we believe we're drawn by the Holy Spirit salvations applied to us we're born again and we put on a new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness so we're to separate ourselves. We, we have a new man. We shouldn't act like the old man. We need to act like new creatures. It's like if we're perfectly healthy and we try to pretend that we're sick. I know there are people that 
try to pretend and fake injuries to get benefits or something or so a lot of times kids will try to pretend to be sick to get out of school or whatever uh, I never did that my if I didn't have a fever you're going to school <laughs> there's just no getting out of it uh, but people try to pretend to, do, to have things that they don't actually have to get a, a benefit out of something uh, all of the time but that's just not how this works. Uh, if, if we have the new man, we need to act like we're new creatures. We need to act like Christians. We're to be Christ-like. They were called Christians first because they acted different than everybody else. We're acting like the world. That's not a very good witness. That's taking the Lord's name in vain. Go again, we could look at Jonah and how he was in the bottom of that boat and they had no idea he was a prophet of God. Here's this big storm and he's asleep in the bottom of the boat. And he gets up there, and they finally figure out who he is. He should have been ashamed, because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. We need to, as we have put on the new man, act like it. That means we're not to have the same language as the world. We're not to perform the same actions as the world. We're to live wholly separate lives. The Bible is very plain when it says, be, uh, be not unequally yoked together. We need to be careful who our friends are. We need to be careful what they are doing. Because often, a lot of times, the world rubs off on us rather than us rubbing off on the world. We, some of you say you had gardening gloves on, you go and you stick your hand in the dirt. You have white gardening gloves on. When you lift your hand up, what's going to happen to the gloves? They're going to be covered in dirt. A lot of times that's us. We, we have the new man on. We have these white gloves on. We're supposed to be doing a certain thing, but then we go waller in the dirt of the world. And when we come back up, we're dirty. We need to repent. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to turn that around. It's not enough just to ask for forgiveness. Repentance is acknowledging, hey, I've done wrong, and I need to not do that anymore. And doing whatever it takes to stop it. You know, when the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil... To me, that's very plain and easy to understand. I remember a preacher said, you know, if I went to a preacher's house and I opened the refrigerator and I saw a case of beer, I wouldn't think anything less of them. And I, I thought, well, what about abstain from all appearance of evil? Because when I was growing up, my grandfather, my mom's dad, was an alcoholic. And he was mean, nasty, said horrible things, did horrible things, drove that way. In his 70s, got arrested for it. Uh, that was really awkward and horrible. Um, we, I'm 12 years old, 13 years old, trying to take the keys from him so he didn't drive uh, that way because uh, he was stammering around trying to go get more. Uh, to me, that was evil to me. And when the Bible says abstain from all appearance of evil, that means I should probably stay away from alcohol because I associate a lot of evil with it. No, the world likes to glamorize it. Uh, you watch the alcohol commercials, and boy, their guys are suave and sophisticated and all that. And I've seen a lot of things to the contrary. Uh, gambling, uh, I mean, you could go on and on and listing things, but we're to just stay away from it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's go to Luke chapter 1.
verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. So we're to strive to live holy and righteous. Holy living. <laughs> Rachel said she saw a shirt that make America godly again. <laughs> That's what we need. MAGA, that's the real MAGA, make America godly again, not just great again, but godly again. That's when we, when we look and see what's taking place and all these riots and things, because people are godly. That's just hateful, sinful, nasty behavior. I don't care who's doing it. And it's the opposite of what we should be doing. Let's go back to 1 Peter 1. We'll look at a different verse, 1 Peter 1. verse 15 maybe there but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation so every portion of our life our, our daily walk we need to strive to be holy like the Lord is holy so we have a big responsibility uh, here uh, to walk differently than the rest of the world. It's just not, all right, well, I'm saved, and I can just sit back and enjoy it and be happy that I was saved and reap the benefits of salvation. No, we actually have to do things. We have to change. We have to uh, live a certain way, talk a certain way, carry ourselves a certain way, be faithful to him, Spread the gospel to others, and that's not just with our words, but how we live our life. If we say, oh, sin is bad, and the Lord can save you from your sin, but then we're out sinning away and cursing and doing all sorts of worldly, horrible things, sinful things, you have contradictions there. You're saying one thing, and you're doing another. So we have to be very, very careful. Let's go to Colossians 3. Maybe. I'm struggling today. Colossians 3 and verse 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed. So that covers everything. What you're saying and what you're doing. They need, both of those things need to be in harmony. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So this sums up the scope of what we're to do in his name. Everything is in God's name. In Exodus 20. Verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, when we started out this lesson, we mentioned by, you know, and that's more than just a phrase that we can say, like the OMG or, or whatever, and it's amazing that there are folks that are atheists and they're so militant in being atheists and they will say, they will use OMG all the time or take the Lord's name in vain and just in their speech. And I'm like, why? Why? 
if you don't believe in him, why are you even using his name as a curse word or whatever? Or taking his name in vain in that way with language. Just why? They're so militant and hateful uh, to, to Almighty God. And it's just a pet peeve of mine that people do that. And I hate it and it kind of makes me cringe every time I hear someone say it because it's just, I don't like it. I don't want to hear it. And people don't have common decency anymore that even if you kindly ask, uh, a lot of times they just won't care. I know that to be the case. Uh, a few people that I've had dealings with in the past. But we break this more often than we think. And it's not just cursing and all that, but it's the way that we conduct our lives as children of God the way we conduct our church services is that we just sometimes take the Lord's name in vain. It's such an easy thing to do. But um, let's go to Psalm 63. i got to try to find a way to close this somehow. in your mind you always say oh I'll close it this way and it never seems to work out that way <laughs> alright Psalm 63 verse 4 thus I will bless thee while I live I will lift up my hands in thy name so while we're living are we blessing you know it, we need to thank God for the blessings of all of the we need to thank him as we look back at this message. Look at the remember, let's remind ourselves of what we do in his name. We gather in his name. That's a blessing. We need to bless him for it. We can pray in his name. There are a lot of people that try to pray. They're not saved, which means they can't properly pray. We have the, the, the blessing of going being able to go to the Lord any time. For any reason. When we think of baptism. We think of preaching, we think of salvation, we think of all the things that we've looked at so far. These are blessings. They should cause us to praise Him. Because as this verse says, I will bless thee while I live. If we're supposed to be living this holy life unto the Lord, and we're complaining all the time about anything, constant. I've known people that it's just one complaint after another after another. It's never good enough. Nothing's ever good enough. And they say, why is it always hard all the time? You ever heard that one before? Sometimes I'm guilty of saying that. Why can't it ever be easy? Oh, boy, I'm stepping all over my own toes right now. But it says, I will bless thee while I live. And that's just for a short while. We're not going to be on this earth for very long. So instead of lifting our fists and shaking them to heaven and, and questioning God, let's do what this verse says, I will lift up my hands in thy name. That's what we need to be doing in Psalm 100. One of the pastor's favorite passages, favorite chapters. Let's just go to verse 1. I was going to read verse 4, but let's just read the whole chapter. How about that? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. It doesn't say make a beautiful sounding noise. 
I can't really do that. <laughs> I'm not a real good singer, and we started the broadcast right when preaching was going to start because I didn't want to subject people on Facebook to my singing. But we see make a joyful noise. Well, I'm glad it says noise because that's technically what I make when I'm singing. Uh, but hopefully it is joyful uh, while we are singing. Uh, we see all ye lands serve the Lord with gladness. Not begrudgingly, not, I guess I have to do this. I guess I have to go to church. I guess I have to pray for my meal. I guess I have to read my Bible. I guess I have to do the whatever. Insert whatever. Gladness. Because we have that total redemption. We have been purchased. It should be a happy thing for us to assemble together and to read his word, to sing praises and to pray to him. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Kind of falls back to our Sunday school lesson this morning. We are his people. We belong to him. Let's act like it. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. And bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. My goodness. I mean, we could spend an hour or longer just breaking down this whole uh, chapter. But he is good. I'm so thankful his mercy is everlasting. Have you ever been fed up? I know I have. I just I can't take it anymore. Whatever they're doing to me, they need to stop it, <laughs> and let's get away from this. We sin against the Lord constantly, and he never once says, I'm fed up with you, and I'm casting you away. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth that we have laid out before us, and the truth of his mercy endureth to all generations. So I'm thankful for that. Let's go to Matthew 6. verse 9. And people always call this the Lord's Prayer. It's the sample prayer. <clears throat> After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. His name is above every other name, as we pointed out at the very beginning of this lesson a couple of weeks ago. Hallowed be thy name. So let's not take it in vain. Let's raise it up in praise. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And we could go on and read all of this, but uh, hallowed be thy name. It is a hallow name. It is the most important name. No other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Um, my goodness. Talk about over-preparing. Second Timothy two, and I think we'll probably close. Yeah. 
Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So we have a very specific uh, command here that we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved. Uh, every theological error that we have, every misquoted scripture, every little jot, every little tittle uh, that's not remembered in the right way, is not presented in the right way, that is not presented in truth, that is taking the Lord's name in vain. We have to be careful. I'm not just preachers. I'm talking about everyone. When we're witnessing to somebody and we take a verse out of context or misrepresent the verse, it is critical that we pay attention to what we are saying and what we are doing. Uh, when um, Philip went and preached to the Ethiopian eunuch, what did he do? He went and sat down with that eunuch, left a very prosperous um, ministry to go preach to one, which that was a whole message we looked at a long time ago. But he went, he sat down, and then we see that the eunuch was reading from Isaiah. And Philip asked, said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone explain it to me? Well, my goodness, that is a critical thing to, to, to do here. This is someone that has no idea. He did not understand what he was reading about the Lord and you're going to sit down and you're going to explain to someone about Jesus. You better make sure you're going to say the right thing. You better make sure you're going to represent God's word in the correct manner. And he sat down with him and preached unto him Jesus. That's it. That's what we're supposed to preach. But often we add on, tack on different things. We misrepresent certain scriptures, and we need to be careful when we do that. Now, Philip was a wonderful example of just sitting down, getting on their level, opening the word, and preaching Jesus. And uh, Hebrews 2, and we'll read verses 1 through 4. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So, so often we kind of let the things of God kind of slip. I'm horrible, I can remember a verse, but the reference of where it is, that just slips my mind all of the time. I can quote it, but then I'm like, oh, where was that? It's so easy. Brother Pye always says, you know, memorize and learn scriptures while you're young, because when you get old, you're going to start forgetting them. I remember there was a lady in Ashland, Kentucky, there at Calvary Baptist Church, that she was starting to lose her eyesight. She was going blind, and she was trying to memorize as much scripture as she possibly could before she lost her eyesight and she couldn't read the Bible anymore. It was, she, she was just so worried about that, and I remember that very distinctly. I remember reading a book about a man in, in a communist country that was a preacher and a pastor, and he was locked up for that. He was able to get his family out of there. But you go to this particular jail, and when you go there, you're there. You're probably going to die there. They'll either kill you or you'll just die there. Uh, he... While he was there, was in a line, and they were, I don't remember what exactly what they were doing, but he saw that someone had carried in with them a New Testament, and he saw it in a trash can. He snuck it and grabbed it and kept it and hid it, and as he was locked in, and then when they were locked in prison and then in their jail cells, it was dark. There were no windows, the doors were solid, they didn't know if it was light outside, dark, day or night, didn't know anything. Uh, they couldn't speak to one another because they were in cells all by their, all by themselves, and they ended up developing a way to preach 
I mean, that's talk about people starving to death for the word of God, and he would knock, and they, people would know what he was knocking about. And he kept that New Testament, and eventually it was amazing he was released, because usually you're going to go there to die. And he was released, and guess what? He started preaching again, and he had that New Testament. And there was a girl there that every night, she said, after a Bible study, she said, can I borrow your Bible, and I'll bring it back to you tomorrow. And, and after a couple, three nights of her borrowing it and bringing it back, he said, what, what are you doing with, with the Bible when you take it home? She goes, oh, well, I'm copying it, handwriting it, so I can have my own copy. Would we do that? I mean, handwrite, go find a pen and paper and handwrite our own copy. If all other options were eliminated, is there that much of a desire? Or are we just letting things slip? Verse 2. For if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, can you imagine if we had to pay the price of sin right then? There'd be a lot less sin, wouldn't there? <laughs> How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. So, um... Don't neglect God's Word. It is filled with treasures. We could start mining the day we're born and until the day we die, and if the Lord left us to be as old as Methuselah, over 900 years old, we would still be digging nuggets of gold out of here. There's just no way of, of just taking everything out of it. There's always going to be something. I never thought of that that way. I never thought of that that way. I, oh, I've never seen that verse in this, in this light before. There's always something new to learn. And there's always something new to draw us closer to him. So let's not neglect his word. Let's not take his name in vain by neglecting his word. Let's stand to be dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, we're very thankful to be able to be in your house today. We're thankful for the safe traveling mercies you granted to myself and my family. Glad we're able to be back here today and to open your word here in Fort Myers. And we pray for those with us today and those that are absent from us. And we think especially of our pastor and his wife. And we pray for them and uh, we pray that they'll be able to be with us again very soon. And thankful you've blessed them so far. Thankful for Kevin and Linda and pray for them as they're getting settled here. Uh, we think of the Sevies as they're up in Indiana. and Thankful he uh, has a job and is working and that your blessing on that front and pray for his family, especially his mom and dad. And we pray for their health and the church up there as well. I think of my dad this morning and uh, whatever's going on with him and we pray your healing hand upon him and uh, that you'll give him comfort. We know there are other needs that are out there and others that are sick and not feeling well and those in the hospital and we lift each need up to you and we think of our churches of like faith as they assemble together today and we pray your word will go forth in boldness and in truth and in love and that lost souls will be saved and that your people will be encouraged strengthened and edified we pray that we'll put you first today and that your name will be magnified and lifted up we ask you to forgive us of our sins watch over us as we go out into the world this week 
and bring us back the next appointed time if it's in your will. Of course, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're funny, Tyler. <laughs>